electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber is waking up early in L.A. ahead of Warner Media Day. In the meantime, stocks look to take a breather at the open after Monday's record high. Truly a mixed bag of earnings today from GM and MasterCard to Grubhub and Beyond Meat. Ten-year 183. Case Schiller up 3-2 year on year. Our roadmap begins with record watch. The S&P at that all-time high. Dow and the Nasdaq not far behind. Plus, as we said, streaming wars. HBO Max details coming today. Dave David is live in Los Angeles ahead of the Warner Media Investor Day. And some tough questions for Boeing. What to expect as Dennis Mullenberg testifies to Congress later today. We're going to start, though, with the markets the day after the S&P hits that 12th all-time high and the 14th record close of 2019. Jim, halfway through earnings season here. What does it all mean? Well, I think you go back and I was, I was going back and looking at some of the big billionaire hedge fund managers and what they've been saying. And they all, I think, almost in unison said, look, it, it, this is a bubble. you got to be very careful. Uh, it can't last. Uh, their numbers can go back into the negative. But the companies just aren't letting it happen. The companies, for the most part, the biggest companies are putting great numbers. And the classic one is Merck. I mean, last week, Merck got hit all the way down to 79.80 when Bristol Myers unveiled a, a cocktail, uh, Optivo and, and Yervoy, that was very, po- very positive. But Keytruda is doing, th- I don't know if people understand this, $3 billion this quarter. This is, uh, you know, heaven help you have cancer. I mean, it's such a terrible illness. But this is really an extraordinary drug. And it's Merck's drug, and it raises forecasts dramatically. Merck, big Dow stock, Pfizer. Really unbelievable. I can't even see how Pfizer did it. I mean, on a day where Merck and Pfizer both raised their full-year guide, but on a day where Cummins cuts its full-year revenue guide, do you stick with the defensive still? Uh, No, I I think that you have to just say, listen, there are some guys that beat, uh, that really have figured out what to do. Uh, Let's see how much Cummins is down, because uh, they missed on revenue. But the fact is, Caterpillar was horrible last week. Horrible. And the stock hit 140 to 140 yesterday. And Morgan Stanley had downgraded it right before it came out. And you really started thinking, it's going to be awful. And the stock didn't go down. So I'm a little suspicious about giving up Cummins right here. Uh, when you see revenue declining 2%, your instinct is to say sell it. Now, the one thing is we've got to hear this company, there's Caterpillar, so committed to the dividend. They call themselves a dividend aristocrat. Uh, it, it, there are plenty of industrials that are doing quite well. So you may not even need Cummins. Cummins has done well in China, like Emerson. Uh, Even 3M's coming back. So I just caution people not to throw out the cyclicals. you would have sold it. You would have sold Caterpillar. Absolutely, yeah. It's a, it feels like a washout given what they yeah. printed. I think the exciting thing is these semiconductors. I mean, NXPI reported number now. NXPI, there were six different line items. The only number that was actually better was the, the Internet of Things. But that's where Texas Instruments was weakest, which is why you see NXPI going up. Rick Clemmer, who is a fabulous executive, the CEO of NXPI, calling the. Box. Well, let's. His line is. 
while the short-term global demand environment appears to have stabilized, right. the intermediate demand environment continues to be uncertain and is not markedly improved. I mean, it's not an all clear, is it? Well, I mean, the market's reacting to the, the beginning, the beginning statement. But remember, NXPI was at 90 after the walk away, uh, the takeover. I, I do think that NXPI is just sensational. I don't want to pay up here. I, I, do you think David has anything to say about NXPI? Or is he probably more focused on Hollywood? <laughs> Let's check in <laughs> with David Faber, who's got a full not day of media much. ahead. Yeah, we do. I mean, it's not until 3 o'clock uh, our time that, that Warner's going to roll out their uh, their latest offering, of course, in these streaming wars that we've all followed so closely uh, at that anchor desk back at, uh, at the NYSE. So we'll get details there. Pricing certainly going to be very important. What else is going to be involved? What other content, of course, is going to be exclusive to that platform, which we've talked about in the past, is having a lot of library time, but sort of introducing some interesting questions for uh, Time Warner, uh, parent AT&T, uh, and the guy who's running all of this, John Stanky, as they bring this thing into the marketplace, how to distinguish it, uh, how to also price it in terms of what HBO is currently at and what you're actually going to get. So a lot of questions there. It's very much wrapped up, of course, uh, in the future of AT&T, which we talked a lot about yesterday, guys, which went up a lot on that new plan to obviously increase margins over the next three years by 200 basis points, increase revenues by 1% to 2%. That may not sound like much. But it could be uh, a heavy lift for them. More on the revenue side, frankly, many people expect than actually taking costs out of the business. But this is certainly an important part of that overall plan. So we'll be following that. As for NXP, Jim, yeah, I don't have much of anything. I know we want to get to Google or Alphabet, I guess, which, uh, right. which certainly I don't know what your thoughts are. It's funny. In talking to a couple of people who own the stock this morning, they were more positive perhaps, than, than others seem to be after the bell yesterday when, uh, when Alphabet reported, just talking about what looked to be a decent operating margin. The markdown in Uber, that $550 million litigation-related expense or tax expense, perhaps masking what were not bad numbers. Curious to get your thoughts. Well, look, there are 11 firms that follow it in official uh, status. Ten boosted boosted their price targets. Uh, Ruth Porat, not as bad as uh, Maloney in terms of Grubhub saying, please don't buy us, it would really hurt you. Uh, Ruth, Ruth Porat, they, I, I, I always have trouble falling asleep. But there's four days a year I don't have to worry. And those are the four days that Alphabet reports. Because if you try to read their thing, I mean, even during a really good uh, Monday Night Football game, it can put you to sleep. It's remarkable. It's, it's better than Clonopin, which is a very serious drug you can get addicted to. And thank God Ruth Part only speaks four days a year. Because this is the most, I, I mean, it's like, hey, we, you know, uh, the cloud and uh, uh, unbreak, you know, yeah, well, you got the uh, YouTube. Uh, cost per well, click. Yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, it's just I can't read it anymore. I can't. Well, the headlines are they haven't missed on uh, the bottom line in right. seven quarters, right. and it's the highest quarterly expenses ever. Well, I mean, look, they have to in order to be able to keep cloud going. I mean, they're talking about getting cloud back into action. They don't mention a lot of big clients. Uh, I also felt that, David, I'm curious to hear you say this. If you are the yeah. Justice Department and you're thinking about breaking up Alphabet, I think you go through this thing and you say, well, gee, I don't know. They seem to be doing okay. They're not setting the world on fire. This almost is like a brief for the uh, for uh, uh, the defense about why you don't need to do anything because we're like okay, we're not kings. We're not killing it anymore, so you don't have to break us up. Yeah, I don't. I don't well, know. Well, that's kind of the way it reads. 
to try to make Macon Del Rahim a little less uh, less combative? Well, I was going to ask you about Macon Del Rahim. If, if HBO decides they're going to make it three dollars, then ATT rules the world. I mean, you know, you know Del Rahim. A lot of people are listening. Yeah. Uh, Del Rahim is determining a lot of these earnings. Going to happen. No, it's true. No. Yeah, I don't see them going down to that price. I'm not sure what that would mean for all of us who are paying our cable provider a lot more money for HBO, but that's a key question. Listen, you know, breaking it up, I don't know, Jim, what's the sum of the parts anyway? I mean, you know, and all, it's as unlikely and as long as it would take should it ever even come to fruition that the Justice right. Department would move to actually bring litigation against them to break up. I mean, how many years in the future it would be, but what are the other parts uh, worth? What's, what's Wayne? I don't know, Verily, I increasingly... I increasingly see Verily is doing something in healthcare. Uh, they're talking about Waymo cars all over the place in Phoenix. Uh, obviously, YouTube is an interesting property, but it is yes. really hard to untangle these things from the sense of view of like we. These other bets, they're obviously designed just to be able to take long-term positions that can lose money from Natal Kingdom come. Uh, and I just think that there is very little here to to make me feel like it'll trade higher because it was already trading. I mean, trade higher on a, on a, uh, on a breakup basis. It should trade higher on right. an earnings basis. It was, it was a great quarter. You think so? It, it, the only people who didn't know it was a great quarter were, were, were uh, people at Alpha. No, it's more expensive on a forward basis than Apple or Facebook. Well, I mean, look, they have $120 billion in cash. I mean, $120 billion. It's still growing over I mean, 20%. Well, how many countries guys? have it's, $120 I mean, billion? It, it, it is extraordinary. This is a company that is doing so well but does not know how to, I've decided, it's not that they don't know how to tell the story. They don't feel the need to. There's a line, there's a line in the conference call where Ruth says, uh, she, uh, no, the company says, we don't manage the business to maximize quarterly results. Well, you bet they don't. I know the secret, David, I know the secret to reading the conference call. Crystal meth. Yeah, what is it? You use <laughs> crystal even. meth, you get, yeah. it's like breaking bad. You gotta, that's the only way to do it. I can't find a way to read through this. They don't want you to like the stock. They don't. Now, they're not like Matt Maloney, uh, which was the worst conference, uh, worst letter in history. The promiscuous diner is making it so they're not using our product. You're talking about Grub now. Grub, uh, Grub, Grub which is down 30%. Yeah. It, it should be down more than that. I mean, it should be down more than that because that letter says, listen, we're, no longer, we're not in a good business. I mean, that's very. Who's the, I mean, who's Ruth the guy Gore, who decided not, to use the word? She didn't say we're not in a good business. At no who point decided did she to use say the word we're not promiscuous. When, when did that? Grub when did that become like, a word you know, associated wow, word with really Grubhub? Who would ever say Promiscuous? that? What, what is Terrible that? Business. <laughs> hey, Beyond Meat said oh. we're in good business. Well, between Beyond Meat, Grub, and Shopify this morning, there's some there's some landmines Shopify on the table. Shopify was good. A million customers. They forty five percent growth. Gross market value forty eight percent growth. Fourteen point. My wife says I hit the things too hard all the time. Uh, but you know, they have a loss, but they are they are spending money in order to grow. Now, Wall Street hates that. They don't want people to spend any money and they want to grow. I defy Shopify. I defy the sellers of Shopify. You will regret that you sold it. You don't know what you're doing. I like the stock. Unless you're Ray Dalio, you, you shouldn't sell it. All right, you shouldn't sell it. Dalio, Dalio, Dalio's is, had some comments in Saudi Arabia about oh scary times ahead. Yeah, scary times. Once he again. made me feel, again, once again, with the 1934 and then the nationalists and then the... Today's the anniversary of uh, Black Tuesday, 1929. Well, it doesn't look like Happy that's going to happen again. Happy yeah. anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary. The headlines are great on that, but even the Times yes, put on that. Yes. There was no fake news when the Times didn't like that. Day. No, they were a good paper then. Right? Yeah. yeah. RCA stock really got hit. <laughs> 
When we come back, Boeing's Dennis Mullenberg uh, is going to face Congress for the first time since the crashes of those two 730 MAX jets that killed 346 people. He's before Senate Commerce today. We're going to bring you live coverage when that begins in about uh, 50 minutes. In the meantime, looking for a little bit of a pause here. Uh, futures are pretty steady. More squawk on the street from the NYC is back after a break. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Beyond Meat, uh, tumbling in the pre-market despite better-than-expected results, including a first-ever quarterly profit. The company says it would need to offer more discounts to deal with growing competition. This is what Ethan Brown said on Squawk about an hour ago. If you look at our velocity uh, this quarter over the same period last year, we're up 144%. And people say that competition is coming. It's been here. We've been competing for a long time. We feel very comfortable about where we are. We have a myopic focus on doing one thing, which is building a perfect piece of meat directly from plants. We're not beholden to a supply chain that's tied to a traditional industry. We're not competing among different divisions. That is our sole focus, and we'll continue to execute well against that. So they actually raised their sales guide. Right. Is this more about the lockup expiration? Yeah, this was a great conference call. That was joyous. Uh, he's a great proselytizer for what he does. He talking about the, uh, he's, he's really rebutting a lot of presumptions. Well, you know, you think there's a lot of salt. Well, let me tell you how much salt there is in this. You think that there's a lot of fat. Well, let me give you this. There's a lot of cholesterol. Uh, I felt fabulous about this quarter. It's just that the problem is there's so much stock coming to market. Uh, the McDonald's test, we don't have an answer. We know that a lot of people, it's, people ask about Tim Hortons, why Tim Hortons didn't, you know, took it out. Uh, the Duncan many times mentioned there is a lot of competition uh, this guy is an evangelist. Uh, he Remember, he says, why do we have to get the protein through the mouth and then the uh, other part of the cow? Why can't we just get it right to us? And, you know, he makes so much sense. He's crystal clear. He's so devoted. And he is, um, you know, my friends who work at, at Whole Foods, they swear by him. They think he is the man who is trying to change the whole food chain. Uh, I wish you could just I wish you could just vote on a great guy rather than have to deal with the stock because he's a great guy. He's got a great story. Oh, uh, stocks up 250 uh, percent from the IPO at 25. Well, I mean, there wasn't enough stock. They did a, what I call a sliver deal. They didn't issue enough stock to begin with. He felt I remember when he did the uh, the, the secondary offering. He was trying to please all. He did. I mean, he priced it way in the hole. If you bought it, you could flip it and make money. But. Yeah, look, there, there's too much stock. It's going to settle. It's not like uh, it belongs at this level. But I can tell you that there is no doubt in my mind, this guy's here to stay. And I know Nestle's has got a good product. Uh, Tyson, I've had their chicken products, extraordinary. I didn't really care for the Nestle's product. They're going to come out with a better better product. Um, I've had this in, uh, I've had his uh, Ethan steak, uh, steak. I've had Ethan, oh my, in pasta. I have had a fabulous dish. Uh, it, it caramelizes very well. It's easily, easily cooked. My vegetarian daughter loves it. He's got some. But what I love best about it, it is not for vegetarians. It's for people who want a better way to eat protein. 
Well, uh, David, you still got consumer groups. I don't know if you saw this paid full page ad in The Times yesterday saying that um, plant based meat is ultra processed, still heavily processed. Well, we have talked about that and the peace slurry and, and, and what what is actually behind or the amount of ingredients and chemicals to some extent that are actually in these, you know, but we've made the point, I think, and Jim, you have, that it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily doing this for health reasons as much as you're doing it as a meat replacement for other reasons that have to do with the planet and things of that nature. And I think your point about the lack of supply is sort of one of the key ones here as we've watched this stock soar and then come back down to earth in recent weeks is simply there was never enough stock out there initially and that run-up was extraordinary and we followed it so closely but it was really sort of based on just the lack of supply for the stock itself yeah that was really it i mean it was i've got to tell you a lot of people are saying to me jim if it's so good why is the stock down and it is supply and demand i mean there's just a ton of stock for sale but in terms of being a uh, competitor versus impossible uh, versus Nestle, versus Tyson, which, by the way, was up very big yesterday because of a poultry uh, lift ban in China. This is, is a very solid story. You know, it's funny. It, it, I'm going to say it's going to sound really stupid, but there's a big anti-cow movement. Cows use a lot of meat. It's like cows are like fracking. They, cows they use eat a, a ton of, of grain, right? They yeah. produce a lot of methane. Son of a bitch, yes, cows. Yes, I mean, I, I don't know. When I look at cows, they just seem to be sitting and eating. You know, go buy a cow, sitting and eating. Not to mention the end of their life usually often doesn't end well. Yeah, it ends with that bolt in the head, yep. which is certainly a suboptimal way to go. I, I, I do find that when you speak with people about this, they say, why the heck do we need cows? Like, enough with cows. And I'm like, I'm old school. Like, cows seem to be part of nature. Uh-uh. Cows are big polluters. Second only to natural gas companies. Someone actually said that to me. Uh, Let's let's pivot here for a moment to Boeing because it's going to be a big day for Dennis Dennis Mullenberg in front of Senate Commerce. Um, Questions about um, sort of the balance of regulation between the regulators and the companies who thought that they could handle this sort of on their own. I thought that the testimony, uh, we read the testimony beforehand, uh, has enough mea culpa in it to feel that I felt better. He says, we made mistakes. We made mistakes. I've been waiting for him to just come out and say, listen, we've made mistakes. Uh, I think they have a good po- good uh, system to be able to have recompense at the same time recognizing when people die, there is no money equivalent. Uh, I feel like that it's not about redundancy, like Senator Cruz said. But I, I thought he couldn't. This is testimony that I think is about as good as you're going to get from a CEO in a very tough position. Uh, Every day, of course, I mean, I go back and forth with Boeing. Every day there's some new guy who says that the FAA was owned by them. Uh, I come back and say, well, the FAA does not, to me, seem like a bunch of captured regulators. But that's a narrative that nobody, that the the newspapers don't believe. They think the FAA is owned by Boeing and they didn't have the resources and Boeing cut corners. I, I, I think that I'm taking my clue from Doug Parker, who said he'd be happy to have his wife and kids fly with him on that plane right now. Now you can say, oh, he's self-interested. I don't know. I don't think he's self-interested in dying. Uh, do you believe Gary Kelly when he thinks, says that they'll talk about diversifying their fleet at Southwest? I, I think you have to. I think that... You don't think it's can, you don't think it's uh, well, posturing to get a better price? Well, I mean, it's... Look, uh, Doug Parker says that more than 400... They're owed more than 400 million. 
Uh, so I think that Gary Kelly, I mean, everyone's going to submit a bill to Boeing. That's why I think a lot of people are surprised that Boeing maintained its dividend. Uh, Boeing has great cash flow, but uh, they owe a lot of people a lot of money. They're going to have to make good or, yeah, Airbus. Now, the one thing about Airbus is they don't have enough planes either. Right. <laughs> Nobody's a, making enough planes. It's a long wait. Yeah. Um, and so with Boeing at 340, does that feel like a cat situation where bad news comes and stock stops going down on it? I think that I got the impression from speaking with four airline CEOs that it's a first quarter, they'll be flying. Uh, now, obviously, no guarantees to the rest of the world, blah, blah, blah. But I do believe that uh, we are at the point now where we're further along in terms of bad. How many more revelations are there? The, I think the nadir was that tape, that text message, which really didn't, which really, the New York Times said that he lied. And when you parse everything, and I've gone over this and over this and over this with the good people from Boeing, it is, look, if I had known about this one thing, which is not the thing that caused the crash, then I would not have said this. And so I think that we're now in the period where Boeing's overly hated. Uh, could the stock go down? I, look, I, I want to see a forecast of how much they owe. They owe a lot of money. Yeah. Well, maybe we're going to get to a point here as we wait for, I think, Mullenberg in a moment, uh, to where we start talking more about how they're going to market its return, right? Yes. Looking at passenger interest in flying on it versus not flying on it. Are they it's going to ask, issue. what are we going to be on today? It's a big issue. Yeah. And I, I think that Americans, though, do have, uh, they do have shorter memories about plane crashes than people think. I, I covered a terrible plane crash when I was a uh, crime and homicide reporter. And I, it was a PSA plane, got hit by a small plane. And people were just saying it would, people would never fly again. And there was this horrible Chicago to Chicago flight that I followed. It's, fa- it's an infamous Chicago to Chicago because it crashed in Chicago. I thought once again, after I wrote the story, no one would ever fly again. Uh, no one even remembers those. They don't remember the Constellation plane that crashed over New York City. I remember because I covered plane crashes. I covered a horrible plane crash in Pensacola. And everyone made me think no one will ever fly again. And, and people did. People do. Uh, David, uh, thoughts from you? As we, I think Mullenberg might make a statement here before the actual hearing begins. You know, I guess I just wonder, listen, we've, we've seen so many of these types of hearings and it is much is it is as much theater as anything else but it is awfully important one would expect for the future of this particular executive how they handle themselves how they handle the questions and you know what the public perception is jim uh, is mullenberg sort of fighting for his job to a certain extent based on his performance today in front of congress i don't think so I think that when I look at the board members and Canvas, uh, I get the sense that people say that he, uh, the last round of, of uh, opprobrium was undeserved uh, and he should have another shot here to be able to tell the story. Uh, I do believe that he has good, better relationships with some of the airlines than people realize. Uh, I, I think, I'm not saying his job is safe because we got to see how much he owes. But I am saying that that, uh, that the board feels he overreached, they, the media overreached the last time they attacked him. Uh, and this, this is a very conciliatory, non-combative, fall-on-your-sword speech he's about to give, which the board wants. There's no hubris in this speech, believe me. Uh, well, Kevin McAllister's gone, who ran commercial. Yeah. Uh, and Mullenberg's lost his chairmanship role. Right. You think that's enough? For the moment, yes. I, look, I think that the 
bad headlines are going to run out. Um, I, I look. There are, I think there's some people on the board who, who really like. There's a fellow from Amgen, uh, Bob Bradway. He has had to deal with FDA, FDA, which is not. It's not like the FAA in this exactly, but he's had to deal with this, and he, he's very supportive of Bloomberg. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like that you're in a, that he's in a situation where he's okay right now. That split was a tough one on him. Uh, covering this for us, uh, along with the GM earnings today, is our own Phil LeBeau, as uh, we look for an entrance of Adam Mullenberg uh, here. Uh, Phil, your thoughts and sort of, I, I don't know, where's your head right now on return to service? <laughs> uh, well, they, they believe that it'll be return to service, meaning certified by the FAA by the end of the year. And that may still happen. There, there is a, certainly a possibility that could happen. But in terms of the flying public, um, that's not going to happen until early next year. And, guys, as we speak, Dennis Mullenberg, the CEO of Boeing, is walking in. He has a statement he's going to make uh, before the uh, Senate hearing. Phil, let's listen to Dennis Mullenberg. Appreciate the opportunity to be here today. We look forward to the uh, hearing and uh, very focused on everything we can do to continue to enhance aviation safety. But uh, first and foremost, uh, today, on the anniversary of uh, Lion Air Flight 610, I think first and foremost, it's important that we remember the lives lost and, uh, again, express our deepest sympathies to the families and loved ones. And uh, we will never, never forget. And that will be our reminder as we look to aviation safety and the future. Dennis, what do you say to the families, uh, the victims' families who say, you coming here is too little too late? Yeah, Phil... uh, Again, on this day, our, our deepest sympathies go with these families. And we've thought long and hard about uh, both of the accidents that have occurred. We've learned a lot as a company. We're humbled. Uh, it has only amplified our focus on safety going forward. And as I said, uh, we're never going to forget. But can you guarantee this would never happen again once this plane gets recertified? But Phil, we, uh, we're going to commit to doing everything we can to ensure accidents like this never happen again. Uh, We have made updates to the max uh, where we believe accidents like this will not happen again. And we're never going to stop focusing on safety and continuously improving. Mr. Mullenberg, a lot of families want to see you resign. I'm uh, I'm focused on the job at hand. I came to Boeing because we care about building safe airplanes for the world. Uh, That's what it's always been about. Uh, These two accidents occurred on my watch. And uh, I have a keen sense of responsibility to see that through. To the Will you resign? That's, uh, that's not where my focus is. Uh, my focus is on the job at hand, focused on safety, and we're going to do everything we can to ensure safe flight. But, Dennis, have there been discussions with the board that maybe once this is certified and the plane returns to service, it's time for you to transition out of the CEO job? Phil, those aren't uh, discussions that uh, I'm involved in, nor... Is that my focus? Uh, my focus here is on the job at hand. Uh, we have important work to do for the world. We know that uh, the work we do matters. Um, safety is at the very forefront of that. Uh, we have always been focused on safety, quality, and integrity as our core values. And that demands a sense of excellence in how we do our work. That's where my focus is. But you do know that you'll hear from senators today and congressmen tomorrow who will say, you are not the man to run Boeing. Again, um, we understand uh, those criticisms and the, those views. 
And uh, Phil, my responsibility, the responsibility of the Boeing company is to design and build, provide safe airplanes. Dennis, Our job is, is, is to provide safe travel for the flying public. That's where my focus is. Dennis, are you able to answer the question that I, I know you're going to get today, which is, how did Boeing let this happen? How did Boeing let a plane with a design flaw get into the air? It's, uh, it's uh, something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about over the last, uh, over the last year. And uh, you know, we have a keen sense of responsibility. We're responsible for our airplanes. And uh, any accident, any accident with one of our airplanes is unacceptable. And uh, we've reviewed both of these accidents. We know uh, what needs to be fixed. We own that. We have a responsibility to do that. That's exactly what we're doing. And we're confident with the updates that we're making that uh, once the MAX returns to the skies, it'll be one of the safest airplanes ever to fly. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Dennis Mullenberg, the CEO of Boeing, answering a few questions after making a statement, guys, uh, before heading up to uh, a room where he's going to be waiting for the, uh, the hearing to begin. That's going to start at 10 o'clock this morning. And, guys, you heard Dennis uh, Mullenberg uh, talking there. A lot of questions about whether or not he should remain as CEO of this company. I can tell you from the number of years that I have known Dennis and I have interviewed him, both in terms of when he has been chairman and CEO and now he's just the CEO as well as when he ran Boeing Defense, um, that is a far different tone that we've heard from Dennis Mullenberg than we have heard from him in the past. I think he realizes the gravity of the situation and the gravity of the moment, not only today, but what will happen tomorrow. And these are going to be tough questions, guys. And you can bet he will hear from people here on Capitol Hill who will say, you are not the man to run Boeing. Boy, Phil, I could not agree more. I, 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 in the last, say, five days, uh, Dennis Mullenberg has been humbled. Uh, which he should be. I think that I thought his job was on the line, if not gone. I think he's totally differential. What he really said to your question is, hey, listen, I'm doing my job. If the board wants to fire me, they should fire me. But I'm doing my job. Phil, this is a man who seems to have discovered, maybe I haven't approached this right and now I'm just going to do my job, and if you don't want me, fire me. That is very, very different from the, com- from the combative Absolutely. that I thought we had, right? Right. You are spot on, Jim. And, and I think you and I have heard this question from a lot of people. Why doesn't the board fire him? They got rid of Kevin, Kevin McAllister, who was in charge of commercial airplanes. That move was made last week. Why didn't they get rid of Dennis Mullenberry at the same time? Look, they, they are in the midst of a very complex situation trying to get this plane recertified, then get it back in service, make sure that they don't lose any of the customers who have this plane uh, and their backlog of orders. At some point, the board is probably saying, is it, is it wise to make a change at the top and add even more turmoil to an already tenuous situation? That's why I think, at a minimum, Dennis Mullenberg remains in this job through the return to service, through the plane going back into service, actual service with passengers on board, then at some point maybe the board does say, okay, is it time for us to transition into new leadership? We don't know that for sure, but I, whenever I get this question from people, why don't they fire them right now, what I always come back to is you got a lot of balls in the air, and if you're the board of directors, you want to add one more by having a new CEO brought in. Phil, we're going to hear a lot more from Mullenberg when the hearing begins. There's a live shot of the hearing room. Before I let you go, Phil, on GM, uh, North American margins yep. look pretty good, uh, although we know that the cost yep. of the strike is going to be about a billion dollars from profit. 
Right. That's for the third quarter. Overall for the year, it's about $2.9 billion. Uh, that's how much the strike is going to cost them. Guys, if not for the strike, they would have made $4 billion in North America in the third quarter. Record demand for crossovers. The pickup trucks are, are selling at huge uh, prices at the dealerships. I mean, I think they're close to record transaction prices. And now they're ramping up with the full-size uh, pickup trucks as well. So, I mean, when you look at where they are right now, they are leveraging that demand in the North American market and the pricing power that they have. Good thing, because international is not the same story. No. Oof. Yeah, China's hurting. But, China's hurting. Yeah. You know, I, I keep coming back, Phil. There are people who are in for for yield. Every time I read a story about Ford, I get worried about that balance sheet. Don't feel that way about GM. Yep. Am I getting too cautious myself? Um, you're not alone in those concerns, and we've already heard from some of the credit agencies that they're worried about uh, the financial state at Ford. Not the liquidity. They're not saying that this is a company that's going to go to junk status, but I think they were cut to one level above junk status uh, last week. Look, we know when, when Jim Hackett laid out this turnaround plan last year, the easy part, and not, not that it's easy, but the easy part is the cost cutting. You and I know that, Jim. Now comes the tough part. How do you make sure that these investments in mobility services that are start to, that are supposed to kick in starting late next year and then into 2021, how do you know that you're going to get the revenue and the growth off of that? Otherwise, if you are looking at Ford, you're saying you got the F-Series, you got some SUVs that do well, although the Explorer launch did not go well. Other than that, what have you got? Because your international business, commercial vehicles in Europe, yeah, there, there's some strength there. But internationally, China's a mess. South America, we know what South America is. You can't count on that for continued growth. Um, I think those are legitimate questions, Jim. It's tough. Very tough. Today. Phil, there's nothing you can't handle, even in that hallway that's uh, not your own. <laughs> uh, Phil LeBeau uh, doing both Boeing and GM. Yeah. We'll talk to you in a bit. Yeah. Uh, GM's one of the big gainers this morning. Yeah, uh, Jim? yeah I mean, look, uh, they're making a lot of money, and, and they made a lot of money during a strike. I, I, that's rather amazing. I mean, we all remember the old days. I remember there was a moment, there was a terrible strike at GM, uh, you know, in the 90s, and, and it was just like all hope is lost. So congratulations to them, but it's not a big company. Uh, we haven't yet touched on MasterCard. Uh, pretty flat here, although uh, dollar volume up 14. They guide revenue to the high end. I knew it was going to go. My chapel just owns it. I knew it had gone up too much because of Visa and because of PayPal. But it is a fabulous number. Uh, it has done this before. AJ uh, Bonga is a very good executive. If it comes in, you can buy the stock. Right. Not a problem. Uh, Timo, speaking of raising guides, uh, Timo raises their EBITDA. To he just, what a story. He keeps taking customer after customer after customer. He's adding so many. Uh, he never stopped, and I know that he wishes he could come on and crow, but he's got this uh, sprint thing. It's been the one to own the whole time. You uh, you could win either way. Stop, stop down. Uh, David, I think uh, John Leisure... Once again, it's doing a good number, but I guess people are confused, trying to figure out where they are with the attorney general in this decision. It is hard to understand where they are in the process. Well, listen, where they are is they're going to court in early December, as you know, to, to fight these AGs who are still aligned against them. Now that group has, um, has a, few, uh, a few fewer AGs as a part of it, but enough that they're going to still go to trial. The expectation is, at least he says, that they're going to be able to close this thing early next year. 
Um, but there is still a question as to what they're going to face at trial uh, from those AGs who are saying this, uh, the acquisition of Sprint is going to be anti-competitive for the wireless industry. Uh, over, of course, the objections of the Department of Justice, which has already reached a consent decree with the parties, which conceivably would create this other nationwide 5G player in the form of Charlie Ergen's dish, which we haven't really talked very much about, and exactly how they're going to get the capital they need and how much is going to be required for them to really roll out and become over the next few years a significant competitor in 5G. But as for Timo, you're right, Jim, you know, 740,000, I think, um, branded postpaid additions, over a million, well over a million new customer relationships, uh, churn at, uh, I think, record lows. So the numbers there are not looking bad. And we all know over the last seven, eight years how much competition T-Mobile has added to the wireless marketplace. But that continues to be one of the big contentions of the AGs who, who are fighting this, saying, yeah, look how much competition they've added. When you put Sprint together with them and you only and you go from four to three, what's going to happen then? So uh, still a lot of questions, still a lot of questions. And by the way, questions as well for SoftBank, don't forget, the owner of Sprint. Uh, some 80% or so, and what would happen should that deal unexpectedly, because I think most people do expect it will eventually go through, unexpectedly be stopped by the judge if, in fact, he rules in favor of the AGs after the trial. It is amazing to me that, the, uh, David, I, how do you keep adding subs the whole time that you're trying to do this deal? Uh, it is a little magical. I, I, I can't believe that this guy has basically uh, convinced everyone that he's got the best signal uh, moved around the country. It appeals to millennials. Early, uh, early uh, adopters go to him. He has, David. He he is, he is a bit of magic, isn't he? Yep. Uh, sorry, they had branded postpaid net customer additions of 1.1 million. Churn that's was huge. 1.04%. Come on, David. That's huge. Uh, 754,000 branded postpaid phone customers. Yeah, I'm trying. There's different numbers here, but yeah, they're big numbers, um, and they have been for some time. They've been creative in terms of the offerings they give people. Of course, remember, Unlimited didn't start without them, right, Jim? Uh, right. And the move that the other big carriers had to make uh, to offering that. Uh, and price still continues to be an important component of this overall and other services that they offer as well. But there's no doubt Ledger's done a great job marketing this service. Don't forget, he's not going to be that long in the CEO job. Uh, and so that's another thing people have to keep in mind is a transition is expected to take place uh, at the company in the not-too-distant future. He's not going to... What do you mean? We're done What do you mean, what do I mean? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to... Yeah. You know that. Yeah. I know. What are you, I what are know. you acting I'm like just you hoping, know that? That's not news. I know. I'm just hoping for a deus ex machina here. I want someone... You want to him to stay? Yeah, I want him to stay. I, I, there's very few people who really understand that you, because you're a CEO, you don't have to be a stiff. You can uh, identify with people. You don't need a PR person. You can be your own PR person. You, can, of course, can be on a Peloton while you're texting. I mean, David, he's he was fun. How about that? Yes. Not was. Is. Okay. You know, he may, be, he may be the antidote to Ruth Porat. <laughs> Let's say you took the Ruth Clonopin Porat in order to be able to wow. get it, you're, like, you're calling Ruth now and Clonopin? That's hammering her He's five-hour energy. I mean, he, he, he's unbelievable. He's like he, he's like a whole thing of five-hour energy. He's, like, he's got your heart going and stuff. But Ruth calms you down, yeah. gives you the Clonopin. I suggest that you only do a quarter, 0.25. But Ruth could be 2.0. She's not Sarah Quill. 
Seroquel, which is the preferred drug for prisons, that's not Ruth. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I, I don't think we'll hear from Ruth on that, but I'm sure she's yeah, going to find no, she's out. She's not Seroquel. Yeah. I mean, Speaking I once of, took 1.0 Seroquel. I went to bed Friday night. I woke up Sunday. <laughs> Speaking of drug makers and drugs, uh, Pfizer and Merck are leading the Dow here, uh, down about 13 on the index. That's going to offset, obviously, the tone that's coming from the grubs and the beyonds today, Jim. Yeah. Oh, man, beyond, I feel bad for Ethan. I mean, you know, like, Ethan, he is one of those Ethan, Ethan Brown. He came on this morning on Squawk. He had a rap for everything. You could say anything to him, and he had a rap. I love that guy, but it doesn't matter. There's too much beyond meat today. It's not Nestle's. Right. By then, the way, can I just say the Tyson chicken tenders that are actually peas? They're killer. Really? I'm talking killer. I, yeah, I'm talking like the best thing I've I've had as a snack at the office since Spam. Interesting. As for Grub, uh, Jim, two double yeah. downgrades. Oppie goes uh-huh. uh, to uh, underperform from outperform. Bamel goes to underperform from buy. Uh, the food delivery market is increasingly irrational as competitors flood the market with rewards and incentives. Yeah, I mean, he's basically... Uh, there was a moment where he just said, listen, my industry basically has no more growth and... You know, it doesn't really matter who you use. There's no loyalty to Grubhub. Even though we have locked up every single major company, uh, it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, the Jeffrey's piece, Grubhub food fight, this is messy. I like that. Uh, I, I just feel like he, Matt, again, I'm just doing a lot of psychiatry. I know I'm doing a lot of psychiatry today, and I'm not getting my United Health is not reimbursing me. But Matt's got to go see somebody. <laughs> No, Matt's got to see somebody. He's in an existential crisis. You know, he's read too much Sartre and Camus. Uh, he's got to get his head together. Matt, listen to me. I know, and Michigan State must not be doing that bit that well in football. Matt, listen to me. You are. Um, you need to be more in the now. Uh, you need to be present. And I've got some stuff. I've got some cognitive for him. Yeah. Yeah. He needs cognitive. Um, that's tough. Yeah. Can, can I David? just, guys? Can I just? Make sure I understand, because I am out here and, and, and I don't have quite as much data as, as I usually get. So he used the word promiscuous, which obviously the first definition has to do with having a lot of relationships. It does also mean, right. however, being undiscriminating or unselective in your approach. What are they talking about in the use of that word, Jim? What does it actually mean? What happened? Okay, when I... All right, so when I, I, we were customers at the Longshoreman, where my wife unfortunately had to make pizza this weekend because I didn't show up. We were customers of, of Caviar, okay? We used Caviar, which was, which was Square. Uh, we wanted to use Grubhub. Grubhub was the same as Square, which was the same as Uber Eats, which was the same as DoorDash. DoorDash then buys Square, Square's Caviar. Now we use DoorDash. David, we don't give a damn who we use, and neither do the customers. I mean, whoever can get us the best price. We got 25% from Square because we argued really well. But the fact is, is nobody cares who comes to your door and nobody cares who comes to your restaurant. And even though Matt has lined up a lot of big, major chains, the people from DoorDash think that Matt gave up the store to get those contracts. I happen to like Matt, which is why I want him to... to, you know, he's a little, got a little Elon Musk thing going here uh, because his business isn't nearly as bad. But he has caused double downgrades across the board. He did not use need to use the word promiscuous. All we need to say right now is there's going to be a shakeout sure. and we're going to be a winner. So I'm going to have to get over to his house and get the narrative straightened out. He said after, too much. Yeah. After I, after I go to Ethan Brown, who is too earnest. And if I can, 
if I can, if I can find something like maybe nine cups of U-Ban, I will go see Ruth and straighten her out. <laughs> All right. As long as you're not licentious, we just want to make sure that's not what you are, Jim. No, he's you're not just indiscriminate in the, as a restaurant energy, owner. It, it, yes. There's absolutely okay. nothing there when he says promiscuous about, you know, disease. That's, right. it, it's, not, it's not about that. It's not about glee. Wheat's never been mentioned on the show, but I just mentioned it. Uh, guys, Dow's gone green, and we're going to get some data on the way in a few moments. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Carl. You know, it, there's a lot of consolidation going on in interest rates, and much of it just seems to be slightly, slightly at odds with recent global data. But nonetheless, as we go into our central bank meeting, Bank of Japan, come out of ECB, we're holding these gains on global interest rates. Let's look at some three-day charts, remembering that yesterday was a breakout day. So as you look at a three-day chart, you look far to the left on two years, we're holding the breakout, consolidating. The entire curve right now is unchanged on the day. Look at a three-day of 10 years. They extended their holding, even Boone's. They've extended their holding. Everybody is unchanged. I'm sure part of that is our central bank meetings coming up, but there's more going on than that. There seems to be this notion in the markets that the buyers at once used to come in, pushing interest rates down, just seem to be, at least for the moment, on strike. If you look at October 1st for 10 years, look at this chart. It's just been nothing but rates higher. And it would look the same if I was showing you charts from the UK's 10-year or the European 10-year, the boom. But here's the fly in the ointment. Let's hook on September to that chart. And you can see that really what October did was recoup all the drops in yield that occurred in September. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. As you know by now, Apple TV Plus set to launch later this week. Tim Cook joining the stars of their new original series, The Morning Show. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell for a global premiere in New York City last night. Apple drops the first three episodes of the series on Friday. New episodes will continue to roll out every Friday after that. Reviews have been... Tepid so far, but we don't we don't know how good it will get down the road. I don't know. I saw the trailer. What do I know? I thought it was hysterical, but um, I did not get to the premiere. But I do thank Apple for inviting me to the premiere. I do want the new um, the buds, uh, AirPods, because they uh, I have very expensive noise canceling headphones, and these cancel noise. I, I have to tell you, there's no innovation under Tim Cook. He's done nothing other than change my life with every device that he. Has. Uh, David, certainly you would probably agree the innovation on the devices has outweighed their innovation so far in content. Yeah, I mean, I've made it clear sort of wondering what, why they would start with a show like this. And those reviews were not kind. Um, <laughs> but as Jim has reminded us many times, and as we've discussed, Apple is in things, can be in things for the long haul. This is way too early to judge. They are going to be spending a good amount of money and time and effort on, on improving and increasing the amount of content on this. And at some point, it may actually become something worth discussing. I don't think you can realistically compare it in any way to Amazon, Netflix, or what is coming from Warner Media. not to mention even our own ad-supported Peacock. It just it, it doesn't have any heft. Uh, and it's first show out of the box, certainly not at least getting particularly good reviews. No heft yet, David, but I mean... It- it's pretty early in this. I mean, the one thing we do know, it's like the credit card. Uh, look for it here tomorrow. Yeah. Like credit card, I pay, oh, boy, I was overdue last month. It's like kind of in there. Next thing you know, it's a fixture. I mean, there's Apple does a lot of things that are like, what are they doing? And then they're a fixture. Maybe this is going to be a fixture. 
David just had a maybe. Button down? Is that maybe. a button? What? No, it's not. It's not a button down. I don't think it's a button down. No. How do you? Pre- no. You got to preserve the shirt with just the t-shirt. Just don't have a. Sa- what? You have to use a t-shirt, t-shirt to preserve the shirt. That's what you oh, do. They taught no, me I don't this. Wear t-shirt. They taught me this at Goldman Sachs, David. It's one of the few things that are left over from my days at Goldman. Always wear a t-shirt and I, try to get a nine mm-hmm. multiple in your stock. Uh, I've never well, done that. I'll agree with both of those things. When we come back, no. uh, Dennis Mullenberg on the Hill, a Senate Commerce Committee uh, getting ready to get started to grill the Boeing CEO. We'll give you live coverage. Dow's up less than two points. Don't go anywhere. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. We've seen Dennis Mullenberg once already this morning. Uh, in a few moments, he'll appear in front of the Senate Commerce Committee, uh, talk about the 737 MAX jet and the future of uh, Boeing and his own tenure. For the time being, Dow's up 20 points. We're back in a moment. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? One of my favorite companies, Zebra Technologies. They are the Marco company, and believe it or not, when you talk about automation in this world and digitization, they've got maybe the best. Anders some. Gus Thompson is a genius and underrated, and the stock keeps going higher. We didn't really talk Brexit. Looks like we'll get an election now. I know. Or the Fed tomorrow. I know. Geez, and I think that, that you know, Steve Lee's been covered it very well today, saying we all expect something in October. Brexit is just a black hole. Although some companies are doing better over in Europe. Oh, and David, good to see you. Maybe throw a little time on there now and then. Yes, uh, yep, thank you. No undershirt from me, always, but thanks for showing always good yours. Always to see you, David. Oh, always good to see you. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 